Recording. Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal, Dave Schrader, Andy Brant Bernard, Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back, Hour 3, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. So during the break, I got an email from Dan Resch, who's the general manager of Honda Store. And he goes, hey, I've been hearing you talk about the Sonata lease deal. We can do the same thing on a Civic. So I just went on to Walzer.com, and sure enough. So what we're talking about, sign-and-drive leasing, it, it's kind of a cool way to shop for cars because there's no extras, there's no... It's a low payment, but you got to come up with all this money, so on and so forth. It's a low payment, but we had on all this, all this other stuff. When we say it's a sign-and-drive lease, the payment is the payment. So right now at Walls or Hyundai, you can lease a brand-new Sonata uh, for $219 a month, or at our Honda store, you can lease a brand-new Honda Civic, and they're both fabulous cars. Same monthly payment, 219 bucks. So if you're interested, go to walzer.com, and you can get all the details there. But there, there really aren't any details to get. You just have to have good credit, and that's the payment. So it's about as simple as we can make it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. This guy had a hell of a voice. He's he still a does. Yeah, does he? I've never seen him live. I haven't either. He was just in Minnesota what, like a year or two ago. Some band was playing, and he came up and sang two German yeah. songs. Oh, really? I don't think he can sustain it. That's why he's not touring. But oh, okay. I think he can uh, He can still knock it out of the park, though. That's a good thing. All right, I have to ask everyone, everyone in attendance here, everybody at the table. <laughs> Do you think I'm in a position in my life right now, a place in my life where I just hate everybody that's famous? You? It's hard to believe. I know, Doug. Oh, no. I just, I'm looking at this Robert De Niro thing, and he's, you know, he's trying to get hired again, so he's trying to pretend that he's the leader of the pack as far as the anti-Trump thing goes, and they gave him standing ovations. I hate everybody in Hollywood. I hate everybody in politics. Except for Ed Begley Jr. I like Ed Begley Jr. That's true. I do like him. That's true. There are a couple of people. Nick Swardson's acceptable. Yeah. Lonnie Anderson. No, no. Just kidding, Louis Anderson. I call him Lonnie, Lonnie now because he's always dressed as a woman whenever you see him now. So, but I just talked to Louis this morning. Um, I just I don't like these people. They're just grandstanders, actors, singers, uh, all of them. They're just grandstand. The politicians are the worst grandstanders of them all. You just hear about their stupidity more than you used to. They've always been stupid. Do you think that's what it is? <laughs> yes. I'm sensing a theme in the Bernard family. That's right. Disposition. Oh, oh. They're stupid. Everybody's stupid. Well, well 70%. To celebrities. I've never liked celebrities. You're fat and stupid, and I don't like you. I don't like you. Well, it is true that 70% of people on earth are morons. I mean, just, I'm sorry, but it's a fact. It's, uh, well, celebrities aren't exact. They're selected for good looks. That's really That's all that true. matters for Steve a lot Buscemi? of them. Well, for yeah, some of them, was... it's like they're just being weird. I think it's weird. that beautiful deep voice of his. Honestly, God, he, he, <clears throat> in in Reservoir Dogs, when he's arguing the tip charge, I think 
It's very <laughs> funny. I think that made his whole career. Isn't, that, isn't he the, why, why do I got to be Mr. Pink? I got to, Mr. Pink? I don't want to be Mr. Pink. Did you ever watch Boardwalk Empire? No, I hated it. You did. I uh, everybody it. else. No, see, it, right? I watched the first two seasons were good, and then it just fell apart. Yeah. They, it's like they didn't know yeah, what to do it with it. It was terrible. Um, it just, I didn't believe him as a gangster. Yeah. He's just not believable as a gangster. But, you know, you had little Nicky in Philadelphia. Well, you Nikki had a lot Scarfo. of the, yeah. and a lot of the, the Jewish uh, uh, accountants oh, yeah. were the most gruesome of the oh, uh, yeah. the gangsters, the you know, the, the violence. Yeah. It's very, very true. But I did though. like the way that they, they brought in um, the Chicago contingent. Yeah. And you've got Capone oh, and, and all his crew. Capone was, oh, he, he was. I wish they would have done that series. I mean, he was just a well, and psycho. Who, who was the other guy? Right. And so were the other guys. Uh, uh, who are his, his kind of remember. sidekicks? The, they were uh, two Dutch, of the bigger. Uh, um, Dutch Schultz? Yeah. Right. But then there was the, the money men. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, for Capone? Yeah, that that he he kind of came up with, and and you'll know the names. It, there was Luciano was yeah, in there, Lucky, Lucky, Luciano, Lucky, Lucky Luciano, but then there yeah. was. You're not talking about Meyer Lansky. Yes, yeah, Meyer Lansky. Okay, Meyer Lansky. Yeah, and Lansky and lived the longest out of any of them. He was. All of them were great. Yeah. Their, their roles were really phenomenal. So who played who played Capone in, in Boardwalk Empire? I don't know who the guy is, but he was really, he was really good. good. Oh yeah. Al Capone. I remember watching a, a game um, to tell the truth. Remember the original to tell mm-hmm. the truth. There was one when I was a little kid. There was a woman on there, and she she had some secret that uh, whatever. Turned out that when she was five years old, Al Capone gave her swimming lessons at a resort one time. Wow. <laughs> oh, by, by chucking her in the pool and going, <laughs> you better learn to swim. You better learn to swim. Get a get a move on. Yeah, that stuff is fascinating. I think that whole criminal mind, which, again, you're talking about Hollywood and politicians and, you know, organized crime. I I want to get your guys' opinion on this. I'm thinking about writing a book called The One Percenters. Now, One Percenters are known as motorcycle gangs in America, but that's not the one percent. I'm talking one percent of people in the world who are not either stupid, crazy, or crooked. That's about one percent. You think it's that high? Yeah. You think it's it's as high as one percent? That'd be be cynical. You don't (laughs) think that'd be cynical, do you? That's a bit cynical to me. I just honestly get some of the. I watch some of these. Well, the we're trailers all beautifully flawed. Beautifully flawed. I'd like to say that. That just sounds much more politically correct. No, I suppose that is true. I've never been very politically correct, have I, Doug? No, I, you're more so than yeah. than you let on. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, my my personal politics um, are pretty centrist, but people don't believe that. Why do you think that is? I I have no idea. Because I think it were, there were some people on the show at one time that were very far right, and they kind of attached my name to that. I think it was because I know Norm Coleman and Tim Pawlenty, and that I've been shunned by Democratic politicians. Democrats, if they, but if you can't do anything far for right, them. I mean, Coleman used to be a Democrat for crime. Right, he was a Democrat. He was, he was a pretty <laughs> centrist guy. I voted yeah, for was. him actually in '90. You know why he became a Republican? No, because of. Uh, they lost two children, and after I the, didn't know yeah, after losing the second child, he decided he was a uh, you know a life a pro life pro life guy. Mm. That's huh. why he became, and, and it's only because they lost two children. That's, that's why. In, that's really interesting. How yeah. is he doing? I, I he was on well. Facebook for a while, and now he's gone. I don't was know. he gone again? Yeah. Well, he was sick for quite well, some time. I know he had time. like throat cancer or something, didn't he? Yeah, he had a problem. Norm no doubt Coleman about did? it. Yeah, Norm oh, yeah. Coleman was very ill. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Was but he's much better. Does now. he smoke? No. Wow, then that's no. really unlucky. I could be wrong about the throat cancer. He had some type of cancer, though. I bet I can find out. I bet yeah, you can. you can find out. It's true. But I just, and I think the problem that I'm having with everybody right now is everybody has an agenda, and they all benefit from their own agenda. And I just, uh, I, I got really weird because I, I, I would literally call. Uh, the mayor's office in Minneapolis and say, hey, a tornado just went through. My wife and I'd like to help. Or, hey, the supermarket my mom bought groceries from when I was a little kid and they gave her credit because she didn't have any money burned down. I'd like to help them rebuild. Never even got a call back from either R.T. Ryback or Betsy Hodges. They wouldn't even call me back. That is weird. I mean, it's just Democrats get really weird with that. 
you know, I was automatically a bad guy to Al Franken. Democrat, I'll take extra money. No, I'm talking about politicians. Okay. I'm talking about politicians. Democratic politicians. Darn it. I don't know. The Republicans are all, you know, playing footsie in the stalls at the Minneapolis airport. (laughs) I don't like (laughs) one guy. One guy. I just don't, I don't like most of those people. It's just, ugh. My my problem is with people that think the and it and it's on both parties that the worst Democrat is better than the yes. best Republican right. or right. vice versa. I mean that's not a football game. It's a ridiculous it's a two party system. Your job is to run the, comp- the country, not to just. I can't say it because Cassie would have more work. Mm. Yes, more editing. To heck around. That's right. <laughs> heck around. Heck around. Norm mo- motor lover. <laughs> Norm did what have throat shot? cancer. He did, okay. He yeah. did have throat cancer. Apparently. I wonder how he would have gotten throat cancer. Just bad luck. Or genetics. Oral sex. Or that's maybe what, that. That's oh, what, yeah, that's his what, name what, claimed. Yeah, that's yeah, what, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yeah, yeah, that's right. He said he got throat cancer from his wife. Yeah, even though. But even if it was true, would you just, just keep that to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to know. <laughs> yes, would you just keep it to yourself? That'd TMI. Be because then that usually means that there's something like the uh, genital wart virus. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. It yeah. Cause. It's like, yeah. what are you saying? Your wife has HPV or something? Jeez. Yeah, and they're. Don't talk. I know, to me. and they they're constantly when you take your kids to the doctor, especially the teenagers. You know, they keep pressing for that HPV yeah. uh, vaccination. Vaccine. So. How about just keep your pants on? <laughs> oh, really? Here we go. He had oral pharyngeal no cancer. Fun. How do you think we got seven and a half billion people on the planet? Not yeah, really. Keeping your pants <laughs> on. Oral pharyngeal cancer sounds like cigars to me. Oh, you know what? He did smoke cigars. Ah, uh, yeah, that'll there do it. There you go. It hits. That's like basically where your uh, mouth connects to your throat. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So how would you know you you have that? He said he just felt like there was something in his throat, and there was. And there was something in his throat. Mm-hmm. Well, he's completely recovered from it, so that's cool. Oh yeah, he caught it when it was still stage one, I think. And if yeah. it's if you catch cancer at stage one, the recovery rate is very, very high. Even if it's like something like brain cancer. So get him on, get him on the podcast. This I tell you, this election is going to be wild. Both oh, the state it's be and really the national wild. election. Yep. You're going to be mortified by what you see on television. But it's uh, oh yeah, there are going to be some attack. It's going to be a shootout. I, I don't know where we're headed. I, 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 like I said, you put a Democrat in there, I don't like him. You put a Republican in there, I don't like him. You, they pick these women. This Elizabeth Warren might be the most annoying human being on earth. I don't like her. I don't know. Where do you go? Minnesota is either going to go with a black lesbian or they're going to go with Jesse Ventura, too. Mm, probably true. Those are the two ways they will go. Might be yeah. right, Andy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like to say that, but you might actually. Yeah. They're not going to something. vote based on issues. They're going to vote based on like just uh, outward appearances. The greatest episode of Modern Family: the two gay men bring their Asian daughter to a very special school, and they're talking to each other, going, "We're a lock. Our daughter's Asian. We're a gay couple. So they're going to. I she'll she'll. They're going to take her in a second. I mean, it's not even." What could possibly prevent it? Just then this woman wheels in a black lesbian in a wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) It was phenomenal. Oh, God, that show used to be really, really funny. I don't know how funny it is now, but it used to be very funny. Yeah, I stopped watching it last season. It just got to the point where it was just like, not even terrible, but it's just like no longer. Status quo. Yeah, it's no longer edgy. It's just uh, riding the the curve. And I thought it was was a very funny show for a long time. Oh, I did too. I thought it was just wonderful. How long has it been going? That's got to be like nine, ten seasons. Oh, wait, what? Boy, time goes by. I just Googled yeah, Modern Family. Goldberg's in Modern Family actor Jackson O'Dell dead at 20. Yeah, he died. Who? Yeah. Jackson O'Dell, the little blonde kid. Not Luke. At what age? 20. 20. Luke wouldn't be 20. No. Who's ja- uh, Jackson uh, O'Dell? This guy. I don't know who that is. Is that What's-Her-Face's boyfriend? The ditzy one? I don't. Uh, it doesn't look like him. I Yeah, I don't know who this is. Huh. IMDb yeah. will know. What I call him, Jackson will, Pollock. Exactly. <laughs> yes, Jackson Pollock. Jackson Odell. I re- I forget names literally in an instant. It's actually kind of impressive. 
What's it's going, kind of impressive. What's going on in Singapore? Any news from there? <laughs> no. Did yet. Dennis Rodman actually go with Trump? God, I hope not. Seriously, can we do anything that's not tied to Hollywood now? Kim Kardashian, Dennis Rodman, what are we doing? He was someone named Ted Durkis in two episodes in 2010. Ah, uh, he's kind of a How thin line die? to make yeah. a modern family yeah, actor. to call him a modern family actor, I don't know. Uh, let's see, 20, I'm going to guess car accident. Yeah, something like that, isn't it? it? Yeah, or a drug age. overdose. 20 is actually pretty young for a drug overdose. Not so much for alcohol, but drugs, yes. Oh, yep, dead in a sober living poem. Oh, he died so of he alcohol. So he was not sober well. living. So he's not sober living. Yeah. Yeah, t- but to be that much of an alcoholic at 20, that's a... Uh... What's wrong with that? That's a shame. Well, but he was a Hollywood kid actor. Kicked her into high gear when I was 11. Come on, let's go. Were you drinking Man, uh, at 11? Yeah. No kidding. Smoked and drank at 11. Oh, but I mean, were you sent to a sober house? No. Yeah, exactly. I should have been probably. <laughs> never was. started smoking about 10 or 11, too, I you think. You did? You started smoking. swipe my grandmother's Benson and Hedges. Benson and Hedges. That was one of Aviato's great lines. Uh, Miller. T.J. Miller. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm just out here. I'm on the phone with my my lawyer. Which one, Benson or Hedges? <laughs> he was wonderful on that show. Yeah. My mom was a cool or Salem smoker. Mm. I, yeah, it was yes. cool. Cool miles. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I snuck a couple of her cigarettes, but I never got the appeal. I love that too. When uh, Dave Chappelle won the lottery, and what character on his Dave Chappelle show won the lottery <laughs> comes pulling up with a semi full of cool cigarettes. <laughs> First thing he buys is a semi full of ghouls, <laughs> which is just about how it goes. Right. Just oh, about yeah. how it goes. Lottery winners don't traditionally become, you know, great investors. How about that guy that just went and his wife bought something at a, at a convenience store, and she asked her husband to return it. He goes return to return return this item and takes a couple of dollars from the return, buys a lottery ticket, and wins $315 million. Did you hear that one guy that won the lottery three times in the last year? One was for like fifteen million, then he won like a two hundred thousand, and then scratched another one for another one point three million or I something. I hate him. What are the not as much of... as I hate Cassie for the race business, oh, but that's old. I would say the odds are low enough that they should be investigating him. Yeah, probably. Yeah. God, they have to be a hundred and fifty million to one or what more. Are the odds, not more. We shall be right back for part two, hour three, Tom Bernard show. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well... I received my first MyPillow, and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. Remember the first time you heard this on television? 
Channel 9 used this as their news intro. Did they really? Yes. I'm like, how do you get by using that as your... And it had to cost a fortune. Mm, that's true. I would think, unless they didn't pay so for it. Do you think they, unless they they're using the vanilla ice version. Of, no, no, no. Their song is... Mine is... Yeah, exactly. Come on. Um... Andy, would you do me a favor and look up a product? It's a, a line of uh, men's products, and I believe it's actually called Hims. H I M S. Not his, but Hims. Um, no. Well, I saw a TV <laughs> ad for it, so uh, it's sure? just H I M S, and, and uh, Snoop Dogg is the voiceover guy for it. Oh, wait. Hims. H I M S is how you spell it. For him, and the, get hymns for hymns. That's what he says. Oh, in I get it. Oh, uh, okay, my. yeah. Well, it's, you said no at first. What happened? Well, if you put an apostrophe in there, it doesn't show up. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Apparently, it's about baldness and. Oh, almost, it is. Yep, yep, it is. It's like for. It's like basically. Well, I don't know. That's what he was doing. He was talking about you'll start growing hair immediately. I, I can see you growing hair already for hymns. You know, he got that phony accent that he's got. But it also, like, they're talking. Oh, they have two products. They have an ED thing and they have a baldness thing. Oh, so your penis and your so, bald yeah, basic, head. Basically the two. Why are you staring at me when you said that, Tom? <laughs> headcare <laughs> products. Headcare, yes, headcare, both of them. Yeah, it's called hymns. Are we just going to destroy the English language? Is apparently, that what we're doing? That is apparently what's going on. And, of course, it's always been said, you destroy the language, you destroy the culture. So they are literally trying to destroy the culture of the United States of America. It's that horrible. These awful. I just, <laughs> these awful, me. Um, well, I'll tell you what, my grandparents butchered the language. Oh, God, it was unbelievable. My grandmother... My father's parents, mm-hmm. what a couple of people they were. <laughs> well, right, you know, we're going to drive down to the Twin Cities from Long Prairie, and then we're going to head to Iowa. Hmm. Iowa? Who the hell says Iowa? It's in the song. People from Colorado. What song? From Music Man. Remember when he gets in there singing, yeah. Iowa, and they're doing the whole little... He does? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I never... What, and what, what is that from? That's the Music, Music Man. Man. The music man. Mm-hmm. He says Iowa. Yeah, they've all got their little weird ways of saying their cities and states. I suppose. And they're, you know, true. little kitschy values. I suppose that's true. I don't know why they like to do that. You know what drives me crazy is Illinois. Illinois, yeah. Are you People from Illinois? Illinois? No, I'm not. <laughs> I say, no, I'm from Illinois. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. A lot of people from Illinois, you know how they refer to it? Hmm. I'm from Chicago. Yeah, that's true. Where are you from? Rockford? I thought you said Chicago. Yeah, I'm from Chicago. Yeah, what well, part? I Rockford. That. Rockford. That's Rockford. nowhere near it. Not no, even but close. I'm, I'm from Medina, but you know, if you say Chicago, people know what you're talking yeah, about. That's true. If I say Medina, Illinois, they're like, "What the hell?" Yeah, exactly. My friend Bobby Knotts. I just referred to him this morning. Now for the second time, I've talked about Bobby Knotts, who's no longer with us, but he was drafted in the United States Army, and his bunk mate, he was on the upper, and this guy was on the lower bunk. They were talking one night, and the guy's from Alabama or something. He goes, "So where are y'all from?" He goes, I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota, where is that? He goes, uh, you know Minnesota, the state of Minnesota. He goes, no, where is Minnesota? I don't know where it is. He said, well, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul. He goes, no, I never heard of that neither. And so Bobby said, well, you know Chicago? Nope. <laughs> never heard of Chicago. Huh. Wow. It's like, geez, you ever wow. get out? You, you ever get out of the mud hut? I don't believe them places exist. <laughs> it's all that there fantasy with unicorns and leprechauns and such. He I had saw never Scott heard of Hanson years ago. Just lay into a couple of hecklers oh, right really? in the front row, and he's like, "Where are you got? Where are you a holes from?" And they go, "We're from Jersey." And he goes, "Well, out here in the Midwest, we say the whole state. It's not soda or Wisconsin or Wa." <laughs> Or just went on and on and on. It was really funny. And then he said, and then they tried to try him on again. He said, "Shut up, or I'll fall on you." <laughs> Shut up, or I'll fall on you. I heard he's doing really well now. I, I heard that too. I, that. Louis was talking about that. He was talking about this morning that uh, that that uh, Scott Hansen's doing doing well. He had some health problems, I guess. Scott Hansen is in Dateline NBC. 
No. I'm Scott Hansen. He's a local Dick comedian. BC. No, no, that's Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Yeah. To catch a predator. Yes. Catch a predator. Scott, I, you'd probably know this better than I, but he was sort of the hub of the Twin Cities comedy oh, scene yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Wasn't he like the big promoter? Scott Hansen's, he was also what was the name of the place? Comedy Gallery. Yeah. Yep. Comedy Gallery was his. I don't recognize One him. of my favorite things on To Catch a Predator is... <laughs> Because Chris, we have Chris Hansen on once in a while in the morning show. Well, it must guy, be nice. Right? I, I gave him money for his uh, reboot of his show, and he won't return emails. He won't? No. Why not? I don't know. But So they go in and bust this guy. This guy walks in, and he's well, got anyway. like a six-pack of Coca-Cola, and he's got whatever. And there are some cookies sitting on the, on the uh, counter. And the guy, before they bust him, the guy reaches over, he grabs a cookie, and he's about to take a bite. I'm Scott. Han- I'm, I'm Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator, and they you go down the whole list. And I want you to know you're on national television right now, and uh, you've got some problems, sir. What are you doing here? And the guy says, "You know what? I don't even want this cookie." <laughs> <laughs> what? You think that's the biggest problem? Is that you? You were caught hey, you know, stealing I came a cookie. Here, I came here just to tell him. That you know he shouldn't be doing this. Yes. But why do we yeah. have jumper cables, a knapsack, duct tape, <laughs> yeah, and some exactly. uh, horse tranquilizer in your trunk? Honest to God, those people are just man. Are they out there? Oh, that's creepy. How about the one that showed up with his kid? I don't know about that. Oh yeah, he had like a like a ten year old or like a six year old kid with, mm. and uh, they're like, oh, and I don't think they even let him get all the way in the house, or like they Ooh. stopped him right at the door, and they're like, Mm-mm, this is. Bad juju. Yeah, that is as bad as it. Yeah, you don't want to catch any of that on camera. Yeah, well, they killed his show. You know, the, to, to catch a predator yeah. deal, and yeah. then he was he was trying to get money for rebooting, and yeah. he needed like fifteen thousand dollars. So I made a donation, and people, you know, and you were supposed to get credit, and you were going to get a, a Chris Hansen Predator mug and all this crap. I never got anything. And then they they would email you updates, and then all of a sudden, what it did was it got absorbed into his daily TV show. Oh, so it's okay. part of his daily show, yeah. but you never yeah. hear about it. So no, Hanson versus Predator. Yeah. Um, Why did they cancel it? I thought it did well. Uh, well, the, the the to catch a predator aspect, they just stopped doing it. They I just know. didn't. Want well, to why would anymore. you stop America's Most Wanted when they kept catching criminals? I know, and it makes people no tuned sense. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when they first canceled it, Adam Walsh, I was listening to his book. Yeah, it was a long time. They canceled it was a week. It was off the air, and there were so many people, including law enforcement, that Fox yeah. brought it back. Yeah, I then they that. canceled it again. It went on to some other cable network for a it while. Did, yeah. But yeah, I don't understand why you do it. They they caught hundreds of criminals. What was Adam Walsh? She was seven. Um, yeah, I might have been eight. like seven or eight. Seven or eight. Something I had like a that. really. If you ever want to hear an interesting guy, this guy Willis Morgan, I think is his name. Is that it, honey? Who talks about the? He believes that the real killer is Dahmer, and he makes of a, Adam Walsh. Yes, really. He makes a much more compelling story than Otis Tool. Otis Tool was a liar. Mm-hmm. But I think that Adam, or that John Walsh is so deep into it, he didn't want to look at it any other way. Yeah, but this maybe. guy makes a really creepy... Like, Dahmer was arrested or booted out of the same mall a day or two before oh, wow, I didn't know Adam Walsh went mi- missing. Yeah, Really? Yeah. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And he was right in the same area. And everybody's like, no, no, no. That wasn't his type. He was into Asian men. And, no, he was a killer um, yeah, right. by courtesy. Whatever was available. He yeah. killed women... When he was overseas with the military, mm-hmm. he killed kids, boys, but he was doing the same kind of stuff. I mean, decapitation. Yeah, he decapitated Adam, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so were a lot of the people in his home were decapitated. Yeah, they, they found were. the heads. So they said that this was it. But then there's the weird conspiracy that it's not Adam's head that they found either. Really? Well, hey, Doug, check this out. Okay. I'm with you. Was, okay. When I heard that, too, I'm like, come okay. on, you don't know your own kid's head? But what was interesting is the picture they released of Adam Walsh when he was first abducted was taken a week or two before his abduction. He has no front teeth. The head they found has front teeth. Really? Well, you know, this will happen, that will happen. Well, it had been a couple weeks. There's no way teeth yeah, broke no, through no, and no. grew in in, no. in two weeks' time. Unless you got fake teeth. Yes, a couple of chiclets they jammed into the gum lines. <laughs> but it chiclets. just didn't make any sense. But the story, if you want sometime, Tom, I'll, I'll have uh, Cassie get him on your show for you but it's an interesting talk i've fallen i've fallen in love with mitch hedberg i've been watching his videos oh, God. Yeah, and he has he a line in there funny. he says people ask me all the time if they want if i want to see a picture of them when they're younger and i always ask them do you have the other kind <laughs> <laughs> do you have the other kind the rice joke is still my favorite oh, joke great. of his do you ever hear that joke no i love rice 
the reason I love rice is it's a perfect food when you want 2,000 or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard of him until well after he was dead. And yeah. I was surfing that, YouTube and found like it, that. and I was like, wow, what a genius. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, most people are now, like that. Now, was that suicide or drug overdose? No, heroin addict. OD, OD. He was a big-time heroin addict. It was too bad. I mean, he, he was literally crippled before he died. He, he seemed like him. a, you know what he seemed like was a very, um, uh, kind of a hipster comedian, right? The yeah, old time kind was. of snapping your fingers, kind <laughs> yep. of just riffing that super intelligent, goofy stuff that was funny as hell. Yeah. He kind of talked that way. Yeah. Yeah. A matter of fact, but he uh, had done a different approach to start and never hit. Right. And right. then all of a sudden he kind of adopted that stoner yep. attitude and deep thinking one of the things they found is a one-line competition it's not really a competition but it's him and Stephen wright oh, oh i love it's on Stephen youtube wright. and they're going back and forth it, that's they say that's the world really is good. a small place but i wouldn't want to have to paint it yeah, yeah i just love the Stephen <laughs> wright woke stuff. up one morning and found out somebody had broken into my apartment and replaced everything with exact duplicates yeah <laughs> I woke up my roommate and said, hey, check this out. And he said, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who are you? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Stephen Wright. And he, boy, I don't know where he went. He I don't just, know. He's I don't gone either. Now. I mean, he's been, last time we had him on the show, he was <clears throat> laughing his ass off. He broke character completely. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he was laughing because we were talking about, you know. I think the last big thing I saw him in was, uh, was Half-Baked. He was the yep. stoner on yeah, the couch that's guy. Right. That's right. Yeah, I brought up that joke of his that I went to the 24-hour convenience store and it was closed. I went back the next day and they were open. And I went in and I said, well, I came yesterday and you were closed. He goes, yeah. Well, your sign says open 24 hours. And the guy said, yeah, well, not in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great yeah. joke. Really I mean, the I, only thing he's done in the past several years is he was in the Emoji movie. Stephen Wright, and that's really it. What yeah. he doesn't do stand up anymore at all. His last record was two thousand seven. Yeah, but is he touring? Is he touring at all? I don't. You know who's in town? Think so this weekend, I just found out about, and now I got to try to find a way to get tickets that aren't four hundred dollars a piece. Mm -hmm. Carol Burnett. Oh yeah, yeah Carol yeah, Burnett's coming. Right. To Carol. God, that's I, just, right. I just got done listening to one oh, of her we can biographies. Just see her next time. Yeah. No, you don't no, want to take that chance. Yeah, she that's was right. just on the show here about. Oh, about a year ago. Oh, really? She was on the podcast about a year ago. She's the nicest person yeah. in the world. I met her in, when she filmed that special, An Evening with Carl, Carol, Robin, and Whoopi. I was oh, actually yeah. there yeah. as guests of Dick Clare, uh, <clears throat> who helped co-create the Carol Burnett Show and did mm -hmm. a bunch of that stuff. So we, wow. we got to go, and I got to go up on stage, and I presented her with a T-shirt of oh, a little caricature cool. of her on the mop. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she gave me yeah. a big hug and told me at the end of the show, come to the end of the stage. So they ushered everybody out, and I'm standing there by the end of the stage with my buddy Gary, and they come through, and they're like, uh, all right, you got to go. And I'm like, well, Miss Burnett said to wait here by the stage. And the guy's like, the security guy looks at me and goes, it's time to go. And I go, no, seriously. I was the guy that went up and gave her the T-shirt and the hug. All of a sudden, the curtains part, and Carol Burnett comes out. She goes, no, no, they're with me. We're, we're having a party. Would you like to come back? And Gary and I are like, Jeez. yeah. Well, yeah. No, so I don't want to come We got to go backstage party. with them. Hang out, I, and that's I met Robin Williams. Oh, did you really? I never. I, I asked, can to I get him. a? I said, can I get a picture? Because I gave him one of the T-shirts too. He's like, oh yeah, you're very subdued. You're the guy that gave Carol the T-shirt. Do you have any more of those? And we had one in a kid size too. So I gave him one for his daughter Zoe and one for him. He's like, oh thanks, that's that's great. And I go, could I get a picture? And he goes, no, I'm kind of hot and gross and sweaty. I'd I'd like to maybe another day. Yeah. And I was like, what a jerk. And then he goes up the stairs. Comes down after a shower, and he's surrounded by his entourage, and he stops his entourage. He's like, hold on. He walks over to me, and he politely stands there while I'm talking with somebody else. And then he goes, um, do you still want to do that picture? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Wow. He was very soft Sat there and posed wow. for a picture with me. Nice guy. Yeah, he's a very remarkable guy. The whole, But it was that was like one of the best days of my life. I got to make Robin Williams laugh at dinner. Hung out with Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer, God. Yeah. There's a name. Yeah, his movie The Hitcher just came the out. Hitcher, and he's yeah. standing in line in front of me at the buffet. Oh, okay. We're getting our grub on. And all of a sudden, he turns sideways. And I go, uh, Mr. Hauer? And he goes, and just turns around slow and looks at me. And I go, I, I'm, my name is Dave Schrader. I'm a movie uh, usher in Illinois. And I just saw The Hitcher. You scared the hell out of me. And he just gets this huge smile. He goes, oh, you liked it? I go, that has got to be the darkest, spookiest movie I've movie. ever seen. So he starts chatting me up, and as we go, there's all these little satellite tables, and there's the big table with the celebrities, and there's a seat next to him. He goes, you want to have a seat? 
No, so I got to no, sit down thanks, next to Rutger no, Hauer. Good. And then he goes, this is my date, Whoopi. And she's sitting across the table, so I shake hands with Whoopi Goldberg. Then Robin Williams. Carl Reiner's on the other side good of Rutger God. Hauer. I'm oh sitting there. I was God. like, what, what just happened to me? It was in Los Angeles, Burbank, I think. Unbelievable. And uh, I got to sit there at the table, and I made a joke at one point. Robin Williams is laughing, and I'm like. Well, all right. What was the joke? I wish I could remember. No, come Dude, it was on. 35 you minutes ago. something up. Yeah, I, I wish do. I, I mean, could it's a great. We have to take a break. Everybody has, like, three or four great stories. We'll be right That's back. Yes. Eduardo, who has called in. All right. We'll be right back with Eduardo Ponte right after this. Tom Bernard show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. Look, listen to you. It's Monday. It's a manic Monday. Just another Monday. manic Monday. <laughs> See you later, Dave. We are back, Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen. Eduardo Ponte, our special guest. How are you doing, Eduardo? Fine. How are you? Happy to be with you. Oh, it's nice to have you. Letters from a young father. Now, I should mention before we start all of this that I uh, my uh, my wife is on the show usually, and our daughter, but our daughter is uh, expecting a baby, her second baby. She had a oh, little girl two I'm years ago, that. and she's about to have a young a little boy, but uh, he's six days late. So, do you have any poems about a kid who's already six days late? I swear to God, it feels like I, I Not- he's got a teenager. Not yet, but maybe if you give me a couple of hours, I can write one for her. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a good idea. Letters from a young father, Eduardo, married to Sasha Alexander, wrote a poem a week during her first pregnancy. Each poem is a letter of life, a letter of love. As he prepares himself for the greatest journey of all, fatherhood, it's perfect for Father's Day. There's no doubt about that. Eduardo, I, uh, I was, I'm a father of a 31-year-old young man who's the engineer on the show. And as a matter of fact, he's on the show right now. Mm-hmm. And our daughter, Alexandra. Uh-huh. And fatherhood... I, the, the one thing that struck me, Eduardo, was this. I didn't get along with my father too well. As a matter of fact, I didn't get along with him at all. But my mother and I got along mm-hmm. very, very well. I adored my mother. I didn't dislike my father, but I just never got along with him. And I do remember, and it wasn't because he was a boy, and he was born before Alex... Alex and I remember the first time the nurse handed my newborn to me, I realized at that very moment how much my mother loved me. I don't know if you can realize how much your parents love you until you're a parent yourself. No, I think you're, you're right. You know, I think, I think uh, children, children really only understand what their parents go through once they become in turn parents. You know, and that's really the cycle of life. You learn things when it's a little bit too late. <laughs> you think it's too late? I, that's pretty, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but it's it's a it's an amazing feeling. I'll tell you that. I and I, I really don't understand people who abandon their children. I don't understand what the, they they must be mentally ill or something. I don't know what it is, but um, that love you have for your child. So you, you wrote your first poem during her first week of pregnancy, so you're still almost nine months out from even... Be- well, you're a father, uh, 
but the baby yeah. hasn't been born yet. And uh, what inspired you to say that first week of pregnancy to sit down and write a poem? Well, you know what? It was. It was. I. I always. I always uh, resorted to poetry to make sense of my inner life, to make sense of the uh, swirling emotions inside. Really. So it wasn't really. I didn't set out to write a, a book of poetry. I just set out to write a poem to my child because I felt that I needed to start speaking to him or her. At that time, we had no idea the gender. I, I felt I needed to, uh, I needed to start speaking to him or her as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So I figured that the first week was uh, a good time to begin. You know, Eduardo, I, I have a wonderful life because I do a morning show as well as this afternoon show. And this morning I talked to yeah. Carrie Kennedy. Carrie Kennedy is the daughter of Robert F. Kennedy. Of course. And I was yeah. talking to her about how that felt and how that whole thing... But both of your parents were international superstars. I mean, that's there's got to be a lot of stress there. A lot of love, I'm sure, but a lot of stress as well. How old were you when you understood that not everybody's parents were the same as your parents? You know, these huge stars. Yeah. I think, I think the extraordinary thing about my parents is what an ordinary life they wanted us to lead. Because I think they realized that strength comes through this sense of groundedness. Strength doesn't come through a sense of entitlement. And, um, And so from very early on, they made, you know, they, they really, they really did, they did everything they could to, in a way, downplay who they were, what they were. And when we did talk about the business side of things, it was more about talking about work ethic or talking about stories, the stories they told through their movies. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. As a matter of fact, that what you just said, I should mention to everybody that Eduardo Ponti's parents were Carlo Ponti and Sophia Loren, um, just in case people did not know that. Uh, it's interesting that what, what you just said, that your parents wanted you to grow up in a normal normal home, like a normal child. Um, there's a special yeah. on right now about Elvis Presley, and when Elvis married mm-hmm. and then had a child, she eventually, Priscilla eventually left him because he did not understand that. She said it was it was Priscilla, it was the baby, it was Elvis, and then it was all of Elvis's friends. That they they were never alone. His friends were always around, yeah. and she she wanted to raise her child like a normal child, and she couldn't do that. So she eventually left Elvis because there was no normal life for their child there. That's right. You know, I've I've always told my wife that I wanted to raise my children for them to become all-terrain vehicles and not Bentleys. You know, to be able to, you know, confront, you know, confront every topography, every obstacle that life throws at you and not break down after the first pothole. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, did were there poets that inspired you as a young man? You know, there's a, there's a wonderful poet called Marvin Bell who wrote a, a great uh, book of poetry called The Iris of Creation. There's Galway Cannell. There's my my friend who actually wrote a beautiful foreword for the book called David St. John. He was also my professor mm, okay. at the university. Uh, those are the people that... Uh, that, uh, that she, and also, you know, of course, also uh, Charles Baudelaire, the French poet, was also mm-hmm. a big, is also a big favorite of mine, too. I like this paragraph. Becoming a parent changes everything. Fear and love live together. Suddenly there is a person in the world for whom you want happiness and safety, even when those two don't coincide. This book is 40 letters written by Eduardo Ponti to his unborn child during the 40 weeks of his wife, Sasha Alexander's preg- uh, pregnancy. These poems are gifts, lessons, slices of joy, maps for how we build a life, for how we work and learn, how we love and how we remember. Um, Eduardo, so you wrote the first poem, then the second, then the third, so one for every week of the 40-week pregnancy. Did you, let's say you're, you're 10 weeks in, you've written 10 poems now. Did some of the poems become based on the earlier poems because you learned things 
that you had not known 10 weeks ago? Yes, what happened is that I started writing the book. You know, I wrote 40 poems for the first pregnancy. Then I took a few months off, almost maybe a year off, and then I started revisiting these poems. And then when my second child was being born, I did the same thing with him. So I ended up with 80 poems, essentially. And then I took the 40 that best represented uh, the experience of being a father. Yeah, see, that's what I, I expected. And as, you know, and as you know, all writing is really rewriting. So after that, you know, I took a couple more years to, to kind of revisit them, revise them, and then I put them in a drawer because I never expected anybody to want to publish them. And I wasn't even sure whether I wanted them to be published. It was more of an intimate uh, dialogue mm-hmm. between me and my children, but it's the very David St. John that we spoke of who read the manuscript and who asked me if he could send it out to same publishers. And that's why we, you and I are speaking right now. Do you have, uh, out of the four, I'm sure you love all 40, uh, because you, you wrote them with deep feeling uh, for, for a woman you love and for the child you're about to have. Um, do you have a couple of them, two or three of them, that, that really, really delivered the message you wanted to 100%, ones that you just really love? You know, I think, I think uh, week, uh, week 23 is powerful, uh, the one where I keep on uh, repeating the verse, uh, the world is saved. There's something there that is very evocative to me, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very last one, uh, after week 40, the one called After All, is, uh, is one that uh, touches me a great deal. The one when I, uh, we see for the very first time uh, the image of our child uh, on the ultrasound monitor, that's also very touching. It's very difficult for me to read the poems without getting choked up. It's getting a little bit sure. easier as I read them publicly more, but it's very, very difficult. You know, these kinds of emotions, they're ancestral emotions that kind of sneak up on you. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's quite, and you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, but at the same time, it's both emotional and uh, very beautiful. I had, uh, we had a poetry reading the other day, and I had both my children sitting uh, on the front row, and it was amazing to kind of see that this this cross generational yeah. exchange happening, knowing that one day they will grow up and hopefully become parents, and they'll be reading this book this book with with a completely different set of eyes. Yeah, but how old are your children now? Uh, Twelve and seven. Twelve and seven. That's. You got some in- interesting things coming your way, Eduardo. When when the twelve year old turns about fourteen or fifteen, you get some really. You're going to be writing a lot of poems, I think, in a couple of years. <laughs> Maybe about frustration. I know, frustration. Oh, my, my frustration phase. It's it's absolutely true. Honestly, I was just talking to a friend of mine, and he's very. And you could tell by looking at him because I've known him a while that he is deeply hurt by this, but he doesn't know what to do about it. Because he said, I don't know what happened when my daughter was 15. I was the king of the world. I was her dad, and I was the greatest guy ever born. And one year later, I now know nothing, and I'm a total imbecile. You know, Mark, Mark Twain has a great quote about that. He said, when I was 14, I realized my father was the dumbest person in the world. When I turned 21, I was amazed how much he'd learned in seven short years. <laughs> that's great. See, that's the thing. Um, that's why, to tell you the truth, having children, is a, it teaches you what life really is, I think. I didn't know that before we had children, but it really teaches you what life is all about. And, and I, I'll say it again, I don't understand parents who can't connect with their children. And maybe that's because I didn't connect with my own father, possibly. But it's what life, that, that you know, they, I guess Disney called it the circle of life, and they were absolutely right about that. We just, we come, and then we go, and then a new generation comes on and, and achieves all these wonderful things, hopefully. But it's, it's just the flow of life. And why you don't want to be connected to that, I will never understand. And also, you know, being, you know, being a father frames you in a certain mm-hmm. sense. It mm-hmm. teaches you humility. It, uh, it, you know, the advice I always give young parents, young fathers is, you know, don't try to be the perfect dad because the word perfect is associated to your ego. 
try to be a good dad. Yep. Because the word good is associated to something that isn't about you. It's about the other. And parenting is all about the other, you know, which is also something that is that is an anathema to today's society, which is all about, unfortunately, the self. Yeah, I, and that that is 100% true. It, it, that's why I love the idea of letters from a young father, because you start out and you don't really know what you're getting into yet. And as you go along that's right. in the pregnancy, then the child's born, then the second child uh the pregnant, the second pregnancy happens. The second child comes, and now you all of a sudden realize. I, when, you know, back when I wrote that first poem, I really had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, that's right. And because as as of, as the forty weeks go by, something is also being born in the man, and it is the father in him. Yep, is being born in the man. Yep. You know, you're absolutely right, ladies and gentlemen. A perfect gift for Father's Day. The book of poetry is called Letters from a Young Father, Eduardo Ponti, P-O-N-T-I, of course. Uh, wonderful talking to you, because just the, just the tone of your voice, you're, you're a very, very happy dad. You love being a father, and I really admire that, because I, I love being a father of two children. I, I just do. It's wonderful. Well, well, God bless you, and thank you very much for this uh, wonderful uh, conversation. Thank uh, you very much. It was a great conversation. Thank you, sir. Eduardo Ponte, ladies and gentlemen, the book's called Letters from a Young Father. That's, what a good guy. That's pretty, that's really cool. He's very well grounded for, you know, having a couple of parents so, who are an international superstar. Yeah. How, how old is he? You know, I didn't want to ask him that. I was what? wondering that very thing, but I didn't want to ask him. Well, we can look it up. We can. We can well, look maybe. it up. There's actually surprisingly little about him on the internet. Uh, looks like he is 46. He's 46, mm-hmm. huh. so he had his first child when he was 34, which I did, uh, you were, you were, I was about to turn 35 when you were born. Well, there you go. See, look at all the stuff I have in common with all these people. What do you think of that action? Your mom was a famous movie star? Oh, no, she was a waitress. She wished, yeah, she was a diner waitress, as a matter of fact, so that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.